From the traditional and unceded territory of the Clay Claytone First Nation and the heart of Northern BC, welcome to the CNC Podcast, 50 years, 100,000 alumni. At CNC, we're learning together, changing lives and creating futures. Welcome to the CNC Podcast. I'm Mark Cargiloto. College or university can be a life-changing experience, but when you're making that jump from high school into post-secondary, it can be a hard landing. We're going to talk a little bit today about what makes it better for students in making that kind of transition. And we've got a very special guest with us because he has recalled in an essay on the CNC website about how his first landing in post-secondary didn't quite land the way that he expected. Graham Pierce is an instructor in English and modern languages here at CNC, and welcome to the CNC podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, do you want to take me through your journey? How did you, uh, when you started post-secondary, what were you planning on doing and, well, how did it go? The Reader's Digest is I graduated from Kelly Road and I was um, one of the, it was the second year that UMBC was open and I thought I would uh, sign up to for their forestry program. And I did this because I liked the idea of working outside. Um, I'd previously worked in kitchens, so I thought that would sound sound great. And uh, have lunch sitting on logs talking to squirrels. And I took my first course with a woman named, um, I shouldn't say actually, it doesn't matter who it was, but uh, it was a lecture on the benefits of clear cutting. I thought this isn't for me. I stuck it out for the semester, failed chemistry, math and introduction to Russian languages. I took that because there was a girl who I was interested who was taking that <laughs> and ended up on pro, pro, uh, academic probation before I'd, you know, before I knew what had happened. So that must have been an enormous wake-up call for you. Of course, of course. I mean, that's, that's, uh, uh, it's a tragedy. Yeah. So you talk about, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit further on about, you know, failing fast and, and recovering from that. So what did you do? What did I do? Um, I, I realized I should pursue what I enjoyed and what I enjoyed was what I was good at. And those were English and history um, courses. And I moved in, I moved to the arts and thrived. And so a lot of it was just uh, admitting to myself what I was, where my talents were and where my aptitude was. Right. Um, I never retook those courses. Actually, I never retook, you know, the, the math 100 or the first year chemistry um, I had to get uh, just a huge number of A pluses um, over my transcript to, uh, to to equalize those 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 Fs so that I could graduate, you know, and do a master's and stuff. But that was my my approach. Yeah. When did you decide to make that leap into post secondary education to make that part of your career and uh, as an instructor and uh, and focusing on uh, on people who might have been in the same boat initially? Well, I was doing my degree, I worked as a writing tutor, and that was my first um, inclination that I could, that I enjoyed working with, with people, and that I enjoyed um, um, participating in the role of a facilitator of knowledge, right? So I enjoyed that role. Um, I didn't have any, any real clear idea of what I would do, though. I didn't really, I graduated with my, my first degree, and I applied for a lot of jobs, and one of them was, I remember, um, uh, it was to be an English teacher in Takla Landing. And I remember I went to the, the the office where the woman who met me and she said, she looked at me and thought, like, do you know where Takla Landing is? And I was like, I think so. She's like, I think they, I don't think you're, you're prepared for what's, you know, have, 
required of this job. Anyways, it was it was lucky. I got hired um, at CNC when I was 23 years old to out of the out of my first degree. Did my master's afterwards. Um, so I was very lucky that I had people who noticed noticed me, who saw me for the talents that I had. What do you think they saw in you? Um, I think that it it's. It's the same kind of things that I try to instill with my students. I think it's communication confidence. So it's not just the skills and strategies. It's that you feel like you have, um, that you feel that you have something to say and that it's, you're worthy of being heard. You spoke and uh, we spoke about this a little bit earlier about, um, about being failure positive. Yeah. And that's a big shift to go from, trying to get into natural resources and forestry into, and as you admit, something that you love, the, you know, English languages, that sort of thing. When you talk about being failure positive to your students now, what does that, how do you try to explain that to them? Well, I explain to them that a failure is only really a failure if you give up. I mean, it, a failure to me indicates that you've set yourself up with a challenge that, that, that is worthy of your, your enterprise. I mean, that's something that you you should pursue. Um, if it's, if it's so, if you can do it so easily that, that you achieve success right away, then, then I don't see where the, the meaning or value is in that enterprise. So I say, if you've, you've failed and you still want to pursue that, if you want to, you know, this is something you want, it's only going to make you better. In fact, philosophically, there's not that much difference between failure and success, right? A failure can lead you to to, to purpose and all kinds of good things. And a success in the same way can lead you to, to a curse, to, to, to trouble, to complacency. So how do you explain that to students then in a, you know, a first-year English class, for example, when they're coming in? What kind of an assignment do you give them that you think might introduce them to that concept of a failure can be a very good thing for them? When I'm, it's not that I, I give them an assignment and expect them to fail. It, it's, it's that I'm prepared for them to, to make mistakes. And so I'll just give you an example. Today I handed back essays that some students failed, meaning they, they got less than 50% on, but they know exactly what they did wrong. So we have another essay that is due next Thursday that they're working on, and they know exactly what they have to do to turn that, that, that failure into a success, right? So like, and I can be more specific if you'd like, but I think that sort of captures the... No, I, I yeah. think it does well. It. Um, do you think there's a difference in the support that maybe you are providing students now compared to maybe the support that you would have had as a student? And I realized that oh, was some sure. time ago. What is that difference? Well, I think this is one of the things that the college prides itself on. And usually it's it's communicated as small class sizes. With that really means is that students have an opportunity to have to build relationships with their instructors. And by relationship, I mean, I know who you are and I know what through, through the relationship, I'm able to assess where you are coming into the class through talking to you. I have an idea of what your, your goals are, whether you're in a program or whether you're deciding what you want to do or, you know, whatever. And I'm able to, to, well, even when I'm marking, I'm able to give, give comments that are specific to what you need, right? Specific to what you're interested in. Oh, this is going to really help you in health sciences. As a nurse, this is the kind of thing you're going to do a lot of. Or if you're going into to the arts, right? 
uh, what you want to be careful of is, you know, a lot of people get degrees with this talent for filling pages that don't say anything. And if you are a person who pays attention to, you know, refinement of your thesis and the development of your argument, you're going to, sh- you're going to shine you. You're going to raise to the, you know, and I can say this to them and that becomes a personalized kind of, um, um, submit response, submit response. I'm with you. We're going to get there, you know, and, and we see this, um, we see the success of our transfer students. Um, we, we see the results as they do very well in their, their degrees. Um, in fact, both Taryn and, and Dustin are previous students of mine. Taryn and Dustin, uh, for those folks who are, uh, uh, they're behind the camera here. They are uh, uh, working communication services at the college and uh, they're wonderful assets to have around and they're, they're making the podcast happen. So one of the things that you mentioned just a little while ago, though, too, is dealing with, for example, nursing students, dealing with university transfer students. Do you find that the skills that you try to impart to them about writing and communicating are fairly similar or what are the differences that you think that, say, nursing or university transfer are ultimately going to need? With a first-year composition course like English 103, which is transferable around the system, is what everybody has to take. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to do is build up a student's agency around knowing what's expected of a university transfer um, essay. I want them to feel like they have an understanding of. When I say agency, that means they know being able to speak about what they know and being humble about what they don't, right? Um, And when they speak, to be articulate, and when they write, to be articulate. And by articulate, I mean that they can choose the vocabulary, the types of sentences, and the organizational structure that's going to best communicate their message. And I guess the other side of that is I want them to become um, audience-aware, that that this isn't social media where you're just posting things into a vacuum. These are you're communicating with other people and attempting to share consciousness, and that means that that you want to think about how you're affecting that person, both intellectually, emotionally, and um, or what we think of as as physically, like sensuously. How are you affecting their senses? How are they supposed to? How is this supposed to hit them? How are they supposed to react? What do you want of them, right? And so it's it's that. I'm trying to to instill whether they're in an English class with the purpose of getting an English degree or that they're planning on becoming um, an engineer or a doctor. How do you think that this has changed in the the years that you've been at the college in terms of what students need or even how they communicate? You mentioned social media here a minute ago and that the communication you're trying to teach is not that, uh, but is more building a connection. But how do you think that that's changed over time? Well, of course, in my my time, um, the internet, of course, is the the big change, right? Like with the, the rise of social media and, and platforms. I think that, well, I'll give you a, a, just an anecdote that I think illustrates what I think has changed and how I try to treat it. So I say to students that when you get an idea, and we all get them, you know, I got an idea, and the first place you're supposed to take your ideas, usually to your, your, your kitchen table, and with whoever's at your kitchen table you discuss it with. Why? Because... Even if it's a bad idea, they love you. They're going to forgive you. You know, like you can, you can test things out with people who, you know, they have to, to, to see you at the next meal. So that's where you're supposed to start. And if it's a good idea and it's got enough, you know, you've got to, you want to take it to the next level. Well, where should you go? And my students will often say, well, to the internet. I said, no, that's not where you go. You should go to school. And 
And maybe school's not the place nowadays because people are quite sensitive around, you know, what's acceptable and what's not. But I'll bet you, you can go to work. I'll bet you, you can go to work and you can go to the restaurants you work in and the shops and, and, or if you work in the, you know, in the forest or whatever, and you can talk to these people and you can say, I've got this idea, you know, and they're going to say, they're going to call you on what's bad and they're going to give you some advice and you're going to start building your idea. And I say, okay, after this, where do you go with it? They go, the internet. And I say, no, no, at this point you try writing it down, right? This is why we essay, which comes from the French word for try. This is why we attempt to communicate it. And if you do that, okay, we've got an essay. Well, where does it go then? Right. And so I'm constantly steering them towards this refinement of ideas. And I go, so once you've got an idea, is that it? Or an essay, is that it? Is it? Are you done? No, now this, this essay is now credible, meaning other people are going to read it, which means they can contend with it. And, and they'll probably respond to it. And if you get a response, well, now you've hit the jackpot. Even if it's somebody who hates what you've written, because now you're in conversation. And it's very rare that anyone gets their idea evolved to the point that it becomes knowledge. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. You should be in the constant pursuit of, of, of participating in, in knowledge acquisition and development. And, and you should want to walk with the great minds of the world. So this is how you do it. And that's the basic. What's the best part of your job, do you think? Oh, the, of, oh, I think it's, it's, there's very few people who wouldn't agree that the classroom is the best part of the job. Um, the, and what's the best part about that is that developing lectures is one of the great joys of my life. Like, I love developing lectures. I, for me, this is the, the, and it's not like every time I do it, it's a hit. It's a, it's a, it's a struggle, and I'm constantly revising, and 50% of the time I leave the room going, oh, I should have done this or this would have been better. But that's what keeps me, what keeps it, it, it real and fresh and keeps me, well, in a, in a failure positive mindset that, you know, even though this didn't work well, I know what I did wrong here. Or, um, yeah, the students didn't like this, but I think I can, I can figure out how to, you know, spin that in tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so you're always working on it. You're always Always improving. working on it kind of what you're trying to teach your students to keep working on it. Oh, absolutely. Keep- of course. It's the same thing. And students know it. If I care, if I'm passionate, they know it. This is a relationship. I'm excited to see them. I've got material I'm excited about. Um, I have an assignment that I think is, is meaningful. They respond. I, 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 I evaluate it in a meaningful way. And most people will, will say, I give a lot of comments and I, I show, like I try to show I care. And the result of that is that, uh, yeah, that I think that I, I, we sell, or the idea would be that we're setting up a, a pattern that can be repeated throughout the rest of a person's education and beyond. So in wrapping up, what do you think is, and whether someone chooses CNC or is looking at that sort of university transfer option, what do you think is the advantage of trying to start off in a college and then take your next steps in uh uh, it, to transferring to a university or uh, or something of that sort? I think it's, well, it's, I'm repeating myself, but I think it's, again, you're going to get a personalized education. You're going to develop um, relationships, meaning the instructor's going to know your name. When, you're miss, when you miss class, they will miss you, not the number on their, their spreadsheet. And, and when they mark your assignment, they're, 
they're thinking about you and what you're trying to achieve versus it just being, um, well, a TA marking it who doesn't really care who you are, right? And so, and I do think that in most, most academic, most academic institutions that are famous in the world are famous for, for fostering those kinds of relationships, for fostering mentorship, for fostering um, student opportunity. You know, like one thing that I, I think is important that I, that I do is give students um, the opportunity to get on stage. You know, I teach creative writing and twice a year at least I do a manuscript release party where students can take the work that they've written and get it on a stage in front of up to a hundred people, usually in a bar, usually downtown, usually these, these people are strangers to them and they get to read their work and thus be seen, I guess is what's the important thing because when you're starting out in your education, that's the thing that you, you, you want, you, that, that I think is the scariest, that you're just a number, that, that you're spending all this money and, and nobody notices you and nobody cares what you think. And I think that's something the college that we do really well is A, showing that we care, showing that we do care what you think. We do care where you come from. We care about your, your relationships. We care about your goals. And we'll, you know, and I will do my best to, to help that. And what do you think is the best piece of advice that you could offer a student who might be looking at a, a path like uh, like what you would be instructing in? The best advice, I mean, I, I stick to my, you know, make sure that when you when you get ideas, make sure you swallow them. Don't let them swallow you, especially as a young person. Always reserve the right to change your mind. Um, if you are introduced to to ideas that 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 you know hurt your relationships. Your, your relationships with your family, I would just say don't don't pursue them. <laughs> you know, like pursue things that make your life better, you know? Yeah. And that's not going with the flow. You know, dead fish go with the flow. What you do is you pursue things that make your life good. Pursue the good and things will work out. That's great. Well, Graham, thank you very much for joining us today. For more about CNC's programs, visit our website, cnc.bc.ca. Thank you to Taryn Johnson and Dustin Ruth for producing the CNC podcast. We welcome your comments and ideas for episodes. Please contact us at communications at cnc.bc.ca. Thanks for listening to the CNC podcast and have a great day.